0: Welcome to Farm and Fiddle, the radio program that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on KOPN 89.5 FM and KOPN.org. And it's where the birds and the bees and the donkeys and the fiddles all come together. I'm your host, Margot McMillan, and we're all glad that you're here, too. Thanks for listening. Well hello friends and welcome to this special Farm and Fiddle podcast. I'm Margot McMillan and this podcast is a salute to fiddling entered on our podcast page in honor of World Fiddle Day. A bit of this program was played on Farm and Fiddle the radio program that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. On May 18th, 2022, on KOPN 89.5 FM in Columbia, Missouri, and on the web at KOPN.org. We air every week, Wednesday at 6 p.m. So here's a bit about World Fiddle Day, which is celebrated on the Saturday closest to May 19th. Why May 19th? nobody seems to know. Some say it marks the death of Antony Stradivari, the famous Italian violin maker, but he died in December. So there you go. Fake news. But it's okay that the day is random as long as it's annual and it makes an opportunity for all string artists and violinists to show their talents. The day is most celebrated in Ireland and specifically by a community in County Kerry called Scardeglin, a town of about 170 people. A fiddler named Quiven Mac a. was probably the founder back in 2012. In Skardeglin, everybody takes the day off to play the fiddle, participate in community jam sessions and concerts. So, to mark this special day, Farm and Fiddle invites you to a workshop that was held on May 14, 2022, as part of the Big Muddy Folk Festival in Boonville, Missouri. The voices you'll hear are Howard Marshall, a fiddler and author of three books on Missouri Fiddle Traditions, and Mike Fraser, retired from the Missouri Department of Conservation, and a fiddle performer living in the Missouri Ozarks. Okay, let's get started.
1: Pardon? Shall we introduce
2: ourselves? Not one o'clock yet. I have to make an announcement. (coughs) before Mike actually starts the formal part of the show.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. Please be sure that all of your cell phones are turned on. Yeah. Oh. So for that nephew or uncle that doesn't know what in the heck fiddle music is, you can record it and send it to them, oh. and they'll know. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Same
3: Mike.
1: Say <laughs> you Put your seatbelt on. Yeah. Okay, well. Go uh, for it. <laughs> Let me introduce everybody. This is Tenley Hansen. I'm Mike Fraser, Howard Marshall. This is Heinrich over here. This is Kathy back here. Heinrich Leonard, And uh, we're going to put on uh, a presentation for you today about uh, I'm calling it Adventures in Fiddling that Howard and I have had uh, throughout the years as we've progressed through this. And uh, some of our experiences so that's what we're going to talk about. I'd like to say we'd like to keep this really informal. If you have any questions at any time, don't feel bad about raising your hand and, and we'll try to answer the best we can. Uh, so we had talked about maybe starting off with Soldier's Joy. and One of the things we wanted to talk about was the differences between our fiddling styles. Uh, Howard is more of a mid-Missouri, what they call Dixie, a Little Dixie, fiddling styles. And... I have been down in the Ozarks for a long time, and I really got into that culture and that music down there. So we differ a little bit in what we play, how we play it. We play a lot of the same tunes, but some of them are a little bit different, right? You bet. Soldier's Joy
2: is a good one to start with because it's sort of a universal fiddle tune that probably... I've never met a fiddler who couldn't take a stagger at Soldier's Joy. If you can't play that, Go back to YouTube and work on it or whatever you do. But it's yeah. a good, everybody, it's a worldwide tune and one of the oldest tunes we have, too.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, like a lot of them, eventually comes from England and Scotland. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. not Ireland. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. You want to start off on it? Sure. Yeah.
0: Let's play it together. It's on
3: how they're
2: different. Yeah,
0: good
2: question. We don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you it's an it, adventure. I'll Tell you one thing right <laughs> off the bat when he played Mississippi <laughs> Sorrow Sawyer, he was getting up there in Bob Hope tempo. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And up see. there, 140 beats a minute, and that's beyond what my heart can take. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about 110, 15 is pretty good for us here in this part of the state. So that's a significant difference, which implies that people like to square dance faster. In the Ozarks, there's yeah. a rule, general rule. All rules are meant, have exceptions, as opposed to North Missouri. So yeah, Now, right. yeah. it. Let's
1: play a thing. Okay, go for it. From the Appalachians. Um, really more of a uh, German influence in North Missouri, would you say? Or was uh, well, it more homogenous? But it wasn't so much yeah well, yeah, you're, you're chipping right in the rabbit hole, my boy. There you go, I turned it loose <laughs> <was> right there. <laughs> uh,
2: I would say that Scotch Irish are dominant in Central and North Missouri too. Okay. But they're different in culture and politics because they're from the middle part, you know, the bluegrass, the Tennessee Valley, instead yeah. of the mountains. Right. Those are different people in a lot of ways politically, historically and yeah. linguistically and cuisine and fiddle styles. Yeah. Right. So if you go over the blue ridge into Virginia you find the same thing in the Piedmont that kind of skips over the high part of the mountains to the, the bluegrass, you know so. yeah. So when you talk about different styles and you play a song, what am I going to hear differently coming from you than what I'm going to hear differently coming from you? What will I hear? Wonderful question. Want me to take that one? You go first. Oh, boy. Okay. uh we usually cover this in the third class, but, uh, we're going we're, we're right, to get right in that rabbit hole. What is your name again? <laughs> my name is Mike. you signed
1: up for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't have my, I don't have my wristband either, but I was here uh, that's a really great question.
2: He, he saw me. That's a very important yeah, question. Yeah. Uh, the whole business of styles, you know, is debated, and debated endlessly, but uh, in my personal observations, I've uh, been around the Ozarks quite a lot, you know, and yeah. my earliest mentor was actually an Ozark from Springfield, but it didn't sound like one. No,
1: okay, so know, there's yeah. another
2: sidetrack. No. Uh, but in general if you take a tune like Soldier's Joy, and Mike can correct me, Stanley, you guys keep an eye on me that I don't say a wrong thing here because that's a brilliant question. If I were to play soldiers joy in the ozarks and i don't really play this style well it to me is characterized more by what you might call a saw stroke which is so if i would try to play it basic ozark style paul you can help me here too if you want yeah Now, us folks up here, heavily Scottish, the part of Scotch-Irish, heavily lowland Scottish, rather than the Islanders, we're heavily melodic people, where they tend to be heavily rhythmic people. So here's the same tune, sort of my way. you use a lot of a notes. A more notes. <laughs> but people say that's, a lot of fiddlers call that hornpipe style. Yeah. Because it's characteristic of, of fiddle hornpipes that are quite notey, uh, have other characteristics. But I think, you yeah, know, I don't don't use a lot of double stops. We'll use, North Missouri, Central Missouri uses more double stops in waltzes perhaps, yeah. but not in reels and hornpipes
1: as a rule. And when you said melodic versus rhythmic, um, the rhythmic in the Ozark is more of dance-oriented, you know. It's and so what they'll do is they'll take out the notes that they feel that are not needed in a tune. And in order to speed it up, sometimes you have to do that yeah. as well, you, know? yeah. you can't get them all in there. Yeah. So, Great question. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, let's play some more tunes. Okay. only want to play Ozark tune is. An Ozark tune. Oh, yeah, well. There's Ten of them, huh? Yeah, 10,000 of them. One <laughs> thing you learned from Bob Walsh. He didn't, or Bob Holt? He didn't, I'm sorry. Well, maybe Bob Walsh, too. Or, well, yeah, Bob, yeah. Bob Holt was who I was yeah. trying to think of.
1: Bob had a, yeah. Bob Walsh was a very yeah, interesting no fiddle. He really was, yeah. Yes, sir, yeah. another question. Yeah. I'm going to have a lot of questions. Why do you use, what's the difference in what, how you choose, I'm going to use that fiddle or I'm going to use that fiddle. Okay, this one is tuned in an open A chord. Okay. And uh, a lot of the Ozark fiddlers, I don't know about North Missouri fiddlers, but a lot of the Ozark fiddlers use uh, an open A. And uh, What does that mean? Okay, well, first of all, it's, uh, Just it's lock, an open chord. Lock the notes so on the two fifths. Oh, good. End I, end. I, I'll yeah, yeah. Plug mine, you pluck mine. Okay, it there you okay. go. Uh, so this is the first two are tuned the same as Howard's first two, which is E, A. Right.
2: Okay, this one goes E, A. A E A for open chord. So so this is Paganini tuning, concert (laughs) tuning. E A D G. Uh, E A D G. Yeah. And it allows for you to do some things that you can't do very easily in regular concert tuning. A lot. Just got to remember which fiddle you're playing that's a good one.
1: yeah I've done that before like, what the heck is going on here and, oh well shoot I'm on the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the other thing is uh, a lot of times I get asked the question what's the difference between a fiddle and a violin and there's uh, some subtle differences just say, one. Just say yes yeah <laughs> you put strings on the fiddle and you put strings on the strings so, yeah or strings on the violin strings on the fiddle uh, I use a flatter bridge so I can play a lot of double stops which gives it a little bit more power and as I said in my first workshop today I, I was asking Bob Holt when I was taking lessons from him uh, why are some of these square dances inviting the fiddlers that come in here that are sometimes out of tune and a little scratchy <laughs> And he said, you have to remember where, these, where this culture came from. These were mountain people, and they didn't have access to good instruments or lessons or anything like that. So tone, intonation was not that important, but how you drive those dancers was. Yeah. So uh, this gives you more power, I think. You can play three strings at once, especially with a lower bridge. So. I, mean, I don't have anything to compare that up against. Any yeah, I was playing three strings right there. I can get that, but I haven't to... played Let's see, uh, what should we play? Ask. Well, what I'll try to do here. We'll, we'll start this again. Uh, I'll try to uh, show you how I can jump down, and pick up a bass string, and add a little bit more to it. So we'll, what What's this the name is called uh, Tomahawk. 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 Yeah. Thank you. And uh, Bob Holt, my traditional teacher, who's four-generation square dance fiddler, got this off Tommy Jackson. He was an edge fiddler. fiddler 1964. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good fiddler, dog. Oh, yeah. yeah go. Pulsating sound, kind of. I like it. Well, it's, it's Bob would say you got to give the dancers a place to put their foot and downbeat, downbeat, downbeat. That's, huh. that's what he emphasized with me. So I I've got a question here. How in the world do you remember all those things? <laughs> you've got you
2: have a lot of And somebody say, Hey, I'm not playing Billy in the water. Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, there right. you go. Well, how do you remember that? Uh, you kind of remember the, the framework of it. Now, on, on that particular tune I just played, I was going good until there was one part in the B part, my bowing, which wasn't working very well. You probably heard it. But it, uh, after about the fifth time through, then it comes back to you. So that that applies to me. Yeah, I know ilts, that know. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there is a structure to these tunes, you know. So
2: there's 5,000 reels that have exactly that structure in the key of D. Whether you put the minor in or not, doesn't matter. But, you know, you're yeah. going to play in the key of D. You've got a hoedown. People are going to dance. You can play Near My God to Thee, and they dance to it. Yeah. That's, yeah. You, that's just how it is. But yeah. how you remember the tunes, I don't know. i don't know. Can you remember the names of, your, of all your grandparents' siblings? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just one of those
1: things. It's, some people have a knack for I guess. And what's happening to me lately, as I get older, I'm, I'm remembering the tune in my head, but I'll forget the name of it. And uh, so that seems to be happening more and more. That's how we get new titles for old tunes. Yeah, yeah. It's just where you choose to put your attention and your focus. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember sports statistics, but I remember hundreds of fiddle tunes. Yeah. probably. Right, yeah. And I think it's a good question. Um, some people, including me, when I first got into the genre of Irish and Scottish music think, well they sound pretty much the same, the same as the old time, you know, but once you actually delve into those, then you start hearing these little nuances that make them different. And I think that's the way I'm able to play it, but because this this tune is different than this one, you know, in a little ways. But those are important. If you play on play on one tune go right uh, into another uh, Yeah.
2: Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we could probably sort out a lot of podams yeah. where one or the first and the second part are almost the same. "Marmaduke's Hornpipe" being a good example. The first part's distinctive, the second part sounds a lot like "Soldiers to Children." Yeah. So
3: <laughs>
2: it's a mystery how this stuff
1: works. I really don't know. I can hardly make any sense of it. Um, all I know is. It seems to me that once it bites you and gets a hold of you, it just won't let loose. You know, that's, that's be, you know, as far as, I don't practice, I just pick up the fiddle and play. That's all I can say. question is, where is grabbing a hold of
2: you? Yeah, that
1: I don't know, but it got me. You can get help for that. Did you all start very young? No, that, and I'm glad you said that because that was one of the things we wanted to talk about, what our particular journey into this. Uh, and uh, Howard, would you like to start with how you got well, in? Sure.
2: Uh, I'm an old person, so I was born during World War II. Anybody else here that old? I don't know.
3: Yeah. Okay. Or maybe <laughs> no. I, I, I.
2: Uh, but uh, I was from a complicated family. Uh, uh, part, I, born on the farm, but most of the family were town folk. Uh, kind of uh, Randolph County, which is kind of the heart of the Little Dixie thing. So my folks came from Tidewater, Virginia, Piedmont, North Carolina, Bluegrass, Kentucky, to Missouri in the 1820s. I've so been here a long time, and I've I figured out that there's been a, a fiddler in, in the, the Marshall line of that family since they came from uh, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and or so, and uh, that's kind of a challenge if you're a kid, you know, to try to pick up that, that torch and not get burned too badly, uh, but uh, uh, my grandfather Marshall was kind of the fiddler in that my, my, I remember as a little kid, and he mainly just played for local dances. He was a country school teacher in a one-room school uh, south of Oberle, Missouri, and on Saturday nights, they carried all the desks out in the yard and had a dance. He met his wife there, my grandmother. He happened to show up one night, and the backup player was, didn't get bail or something, and uh, still
3: uh, still <laughs> drunk
2: from the Friday night jam session. And he kind of looked around. He liked to have some backup. And uh, said, anybody here play any musical instrument? And this, this girl put her hand up and says, I do, sir. I can play the piano. There's a piano in the classroom. So that was my grandmother. And they, oh, yeah. They were together for the- Hundred years after that, you, you don't lose a good backup player. <laughs>
3: uh, but
2: he, he played the standard repertoire of the Scotch Irish uh, folks, you know, Soldier's Joy and all the hornpipes. And But he also picked up uh, everything that was uh, the mode of the day, as all fiddlers do. A lot of them will deny it. Uh, but you know, uh, he picked up a lot of stuff from listening to radio broadcasts and sheep yeah. music that my grandmother would play, like Red Wing, which was a hit sheep music, you know, in 1907 or 8. And that's where Red Wing originated. It's a, a, now it's all over the world in all styles, and people think it came from ancient Dublin or something, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Like most of the tunes I, in all my studies are actually, we can figure out who composed them, and many, many tunes that we take for granted as ancient uh, melodies uh, come out of Tin Pan Alley, from about the 1880s into the 1930s. It's, it's quite quite interesting to know. To, to anyway, I, I'm sidetracked again. But uh, he, uh, his his playing inspired me. He passed away uh, when I was too young uh, to really learn anything from him. And uh, my other grandfather, Jennings, uh, the town person, a banker, he played the violin too. And, sang in the Methodist Church choir and he had died before I was born so I never can't say I really know anything about their their fiddle playing my dad played a little bit of fiddle and uh, he was the youngest of six kids and the rest of them were girls and uh <laughs> So they had a family band, and the girls all picked up the fiddles and the banjos and the good stuff, and he was left playing the drums, <laughs> which he didn't particularly cotton to, but he played some fiddle on the side and learned Red Wing and a few tunes. But, uh, and that, in my generation, uh, I've come along in, in kind of the folk song revival, you know, so I started out like an awful lot of people wishing I could, you know, remember all the lyrics to Joan Baez ballads or, you know, The Peter, Paul, and Mary records were really big with me. And then I got, when I went into the service in the Marine Corps during the Vietnam experiment, uh, I got into bluegrass because some of my chums in the squad bay were bluegrass crazy. And so I discovered bluegrass, and particularly flattened scrugs, who I liked still still far better than the mountainy, raspy, edgy Bill Monroe stuff. So I guess I'm more of a chamber musician than I am a a mountaineer. Uh, But anyway, I came through that and began listening to a lot of different kinds of fiddling and uh, records and all kinds of stuff. And then when I got back uh, out of the Marine Corps, I came back to college in Columbia. I was a dropout. Anybody know what a college dropout is? (laughs) I dropped out three days after JFK was killed. And for some reason, I joined the Marine Corps. Now, mind you, there was no Vietnam yet. Uh, We thought the worst thing that could happen to us is we'd have to go down to Florida and fight Cubans. Uh, This is history that probably nobody knows, unless you're my age. (laughs) But anyhow, uh, I I, uh, learned a lot in the Marine Corps. Uh, It helped my powers of concentration quite a bit. (laughs) But so I started playing bluegrass when I came out. I got fascinated by bluegrass because I fell in with the bluegrass crowd around Columbia, but I also sang folk music. If you know Lee Ruth, we, we had a band played in the Ivanhoe restaurant in various dark places around Columbia and various <laughs> backyards in the 60s. And we're actually on the Shea album that they, they put out. If you have that the Shea Coffeehouse album, they have a couple of tunes on that. But at that time, I was just playing mandolin and guitar and old time banjo. But I always had a violin with me, but I was scared to death of the thing. I had this image of my eight foot nine, 500 pound grandfather, you know, playing so beautifully, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I thought I just I can't do that. I just never can do that. And uh, so I, but I had a violin that a bandmate sold me for five dollars. It was a piece of junk. I never could make anything out of it. And I thought it was my fault for years. And then a wonderful thing happened. I happened to be living in a place uh, in the early, late, early '70s where there were no musicians around to jam with, no band. We moved, got married, and we moved. And so I said, "This is the time." You know. So I got that old fiddle out and realized that is a piece of trash. So I went back to Springfield Art, to Art Galber's house and said, "I got to do something with this." said, well, we do have a stove in the kitchen.
1: And, uh, uh, Good sto- thing you didn't go to Fred King. He would have smoked you. Stonewood, yeah.
2: Well, so I got a, and Art was a shrewd trader. Yeah, so was Fred, on that yeah. deal. But I got a playable violin, and then I took it home and started listening to tape recordings I'd made of fiddlers of Taylor McBain, uh, uh, Cleo Persinger, the Columbia-area people, and uh, Johnny Bruce, and uh, Art Galbraith, of course. Trying to play those tunes and just kind of it taught myself fiddle, you know, just through the usual way. So, you know, I started out in the boiler room. Eventually, I worked my way up to the kitchen. And then my wife said, okay, you can now play in the rest of the house. So uh, it was a gradual process. Yeah. I never had any violin lessons, and I don't read violin music. I uh, more or less self, so I could read any tenor line in any Methodist hymnal. <laughs> But that's different from a piece of violin music, as I found out the hard way. I just can't translate. I don't know what the chicken tracks do for me. So I'm kind of a a slow uh, entry into the world of fiddling. But I've loved it since childhood. And something about it just spoke to me. And uh, i moved a lot around the world. I worked at the Library of Congress for several years. And I worked with a guy named Alan Jabour, who introduced me some fiddling that I couldn't make any sense out of from um, the Appalachian Mountains. And I played in a bluegrass band uh, in Washington. Uh, uh, all, all people who worked at federal agencies were kind of fun. So I've just kind of experienced things. And when I moved back to Columbia, the early 1980s, uh, I kind of decided to buckle down because then I had the amazing opportunity to live within 10 minutes of Taylor McBain's house and half an hour from Pete McMahon's house. Great fiddle. And, and I just summarize how fiddle teaching is done for you in a very quick anecdote, I know I'm talking too much. No, I'm, I'm loving that. No, talking too much. There are two ways you teach a kid to play the fiddle. Well, there may be three. Dean Johnston told me one in about 1980 or so. He said, the way to make your kids want to play music is you clear the kitchen table up, you put the banjo, guitar, and some fiddles out there, and you say, I'm going to town and I'll be back at four o'clock, and don't you dare touch those violins.
3: <laughs> That's one way,
2: and those kids, will they'll, they'll do it. Uh, but the ways that I experienced both of these through two of the great masters, Taylor McVeigh and Pete McBain, very different personalities. So when I'd go to Taylor, Taylor's house and play something, and he'd teach me something, and. I, I knew I was making clams and playing it poorly and all. And he, he just, big, big grin, he said, he had a funny way of, his voice was kind of,
3: yeah, that's
2: okay, Howard, but my gosh, just you know, you just play a little bit like this. And the other way to learn is the the uh, Pete McMahon School of Learning, which is, he, I went out to Pete's a few times, he inv- actually invited me, he said, Howard, I can help your fiddling. That would be a nice thing, Pete. Thank you. I'll be out there tomorrow night. So I could go out there and and I, he struggled with me and we were, he started me off on Bill Cheatham. Oh. Yeah. Had a very demanding tune. And finally, about five minutes later, he said, "Hard, you'll never get it." He, <laughs> yeah. Now that's the other way to teach a kid to play the fiddle, and uh, he learned that way himself as a little kid. I He yeah. always told me. But even in jam sessions for years, now that he had put me into his his circle of would-be pupils, you know, these big jam sessions we used to have in Columbia, I'd be playing something, you know, and uh, it, it's a tight circle. You know, our jam sessions in those days were different. The, the top guys, you know, sat in a close circle, and the learners kind of sat in concentric circles. That's different from today's version thanks to the fiddle camper everybody gets a badge everybody's good yeah. it, don't fall for that uh, but but he kind of look at me he's lean over in his chair and everybody just kind of stops because he stops me in the middle of the plane and he goes like this and he leans over and says hired you'll never get it <laughs> and everybody looks around in the jam session you know He's just Howard guy. how did he get in here? Yeah.
3: <laughs> we know who he is now. Yeah. But
2: anyhow, that's a little bit of my experience. Do yeah. you want to play a tune? tune? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you want another breakdown or a, a waltz or what do you want? Well, play whatever you want. Well, I don't care. You play I could play at it. How's it going? Yeah, Gilsaw is a very odd tune to a lot of people. It kind of has a funny way of going. Uh, the, the, it's spelled G-I-L-S-A-W, uh, and I've worked for decades to figure out the history of this, and should you happen to buy one of those books over there, you'll find the answer to Gilsaw. People, Junior Marion Mary thought it was something cutting nut fish, <laughs> well, that's good, a good answer, but it isn't. Uh, it turns out to be the Americanized version of a Swiss-German name. Spelled something like, I don't know. I've got it in the book, I can't remember how to spell it. But who were early settlers in Callaway County who played the fiddle. It's probably, and, uh, probably good, so. Uh, how do you spell it, Henry? I don't know. It's like G-U-I-L, I don't know. It probably it's has umlauts in there you yeah. And the family divided S-A. about 1900. Half of them kept the old spelling, the other half went to the American spelling. And Pete McMahon is the, the person that learned this tune in the 1930s and spread it around the globe. And he learned it uh, in Mexico, Missouri, about 1930, during the Depression, at the railroad depot. And one of these I guess members of the Gilson family, who was a fiddler, who was out of work and getting ready to jump on the train as a, as a hobo was sitting on the ground next to the station just playing this tune endlessly. And Pete have, Pete's uncle happened to be there and heard him play. Is it completely boring now? Uh-huh. Getting get pretty bad isn't it. Uh, try to tighten it up. Uh, and the uncle, Claude Gregory, learned the tune. and guy jumped on the train and he didn't ever ask the guy anything about it. He could yell at him, what's the title of it? And yell back, Gilsall. And uh, I think the guy was afraid to, to meet Claude Gregory because he was the, the local sheriff and hobos were get, getting to be a problem in the early 30s. And his regular thing was to go by the, state, the, the depot and round up the hobos, take them over, you know, give them a sandwich, I don't know, a drink of water. But anyway, the, uh, that's the story behind Gillsaw. And then in, in the early 1980s, Charlie and Walden and I did some recordings with uh, Pete McMahon where he asked him to put aside all your contest monsters, you know, and all the common stuff, and dig back in your mind to tunes you knew when you were 14 or 15 years old that your mentors taught you and he came up with gillsaw we've never heard of it before and it was just a, an amazing tune uh it's on the cd with one of those books
1: Work worked that in there pretty nicely. well i want to say yeah howard has got three three books out now right two two and one yeah. coming out. yeah yeah
2: the third one is out in january and if you know like i say a, a grandchild in california wants to know about missouri history it's 25 dollars now it'll be 40 by Christmas so yeah if you want to get one of these flyers or get on the website right. okay I'll talk with information on the jury fiddling and play it. a little sketch gills song there you go to notate that and good luck because every time Pete would play it through he'd play it a little bit differently every time. Yeah. Was, Especially if you're trying to notate
1: it. Yeah. Use <laughs> yeah. a character. Okay, right. I, I, I'll, I'll switch to you. Okay well uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my journey in fiddling and um, I was born out in the middle of Kansas from a farming family that went back to Homestead time. And uh, my dad got into the insurance business, and then we started moving to the city. So I lived in Manhattan, Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, and then eventually Des Moines, Iowa. And I was a suburb child by the time we got to Des Moines, Iowa. And I uh, uh, had no interest in, in music, mostly sports. And my family, immediate family, uh, did not play at all. And so uh, I got to college, and my roommate played a guitar. So I started getting interested in that then the uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken album came out, and I heard fiddling on that, and I fell in love with it, and I had to do that. Um, got my first teaching job in Stover, Missouri, a lot of good fiddlers came out of there, I'll mention them. One's Kelly Jones, the other one was Junior Merritt, and the other one was Travis Inman who just passed away recently, but all three top-notch fiddlers. And. Uh, I got to know Kelly. He was working in in Las Vegas with the Judy Lynn Show. He would come back on a break, and and he'd help me out with some stuff. I met an old-timer there that made fiddles. His name was Red, Red Monzess, and he was a fiddler, and he played in nursing homes and things like that. And he took me under his wing, and I was playing guitar with him, and we'd go out and do some shows. And I really found out that I loved to entertain. I really did. And so that kind of set the course of my fiddling as i went through uh, then i ended up uh, in the ozarks and i was listening to a lot of country rock music you know like charlie daniels and marshall tucker uh, leonard skinner and our own ozark mountain daredevils had a huge influence on me and I, I was listening to these words and i wanted to go see the ozarks and find out what it was about went down there it was so beautiful I made up my mind I had to live there. Well, I got my first teaching job, like I said, in Stover, Missouri, which is on the northern edge of the Ozarks, and uh, from there I just went further down in there, and then I got into uh, the culture and all the music of the Ozarks, and just started going from country rock, just kind of backwards in time, you know, to the old-timey stuff. And. Um, I was doing fiddle contests. I met Howard at a fiddle contest. We were doing those together back in what was that—the early '90s, late '80s—and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, yeah. that's how I met Kathy Barton and Dave Para. They would come to the fiddle contest. Kathy loved to back up fiddlers on the banjo, and at that time, you didn't find too much of that—somebody on the banjo that was playing fiddle tunes. But Kathy loved to do that, and Dave as well. So they would back fiddlers up there. They would just show up and say, "You need somebody to help you back up." I said, "Yeah, come on." And uh, so that was great. Started doing contests for a while. And then um, I was going to a music party in the Ozark, and Bob Holt called me up and said, would you like to be my apprentice? And he had been uh, named as a Master Ozark Dance fiddler by the Missouri Arts Council, which meant that he could take apprentices, and they would pay him to teach you. And so uh, one of the requirements... Is that you have to have some proficiency in the art form in order to be considered. And Bob and I played enough. so he thought he could help me out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I started going to, to Bob and the first thing he said, we've got to get rid of them jiggly jigglies. You know? Yeah. I get to the end of the phrase, I go jiggly jiggly, you know, and, I, and so he tells me I took two years from it, he said the first year we spent undo it.
3: So,
1: uh, I kind of understand that now, what he was talking about. but uh, So uh, I was taking lessons from Bob, but I also had a band going at the same time. We were playing Cajun music, Irish music, whatever it takes to entertain or make a dollar, basically. So uh, I was doing both, and so I didn't get into as much as what Bob wanted me to do to carry on the tradition there are, there are kids down there that have taken lessons from Ascent that are doing that, and I'm glad they are, because that's all they're doing. But I enjoyed performing, and so whatever it took to go out and perform, that's what I was doing. That included Scottish, Irish, old-timey from Bluegrass, etc. So, so that, that's been my journey, pretty much, still doing it. But I love learning, too. Uh, I'd love to sit down and learn, tune. Like I said, I, when I sit down, it's not practiced. I'm just playing, you
2: know, so. Can I add a, a comment? Yeah. That, uh, that's, <laughs> that's awful grief. Was it? I don't know. I just happen to think of an anecdote that might amuse you as it perplexed and amused me at the time. I also really like Irish, Scottish music yeah. a lot. And well, you should
1: you uh, that name I, of yours. You're I, hate up with that Scottish yeah, stuff.
2: No kidding. And I, and I do love this stuff. And I've been around Scottish players and Irish players quite yep. a lot. I've spent a lot of time in the lowlands of Scotland. Uh, at one point, I spent most of a year there as an architectural historian, sort of, so studying farm buildings uh, between Edinburgh and Glasgow with a, a fellowship. And anyway, in my spare time, I would go around to what they call miners' halls. There's several places you can find music, you know, when you're traveling in a place, a big city, like Edinburgh, Glasgow, as you can go down to the bars, you know, the Paddy's or Frankie's or whatever, and there's going to be great music there. That's one level. They're going to play mostly what you want them to play for the tourist crowd, and their private sessions you'll never hear about. And then in Scotland, they have Scottish dance orchestras where they all play from sheet music, and they sit like an orchestra, and it's very grand and they wear the whole island outfit. That's another wonderful thing. I've been to those dances too. But then uh, the people I was staying with said, have you ever been to the, a miner's hall? Have you ever been to a box and fiddle club? No, I haven't. What is a box and fiddle club? So as it turns out in this, particularly in the lowlands, in the old burned out mining areas where the, poverty is acute, and. Uh, people live a really rough life. You don't see any of that as a tourist because you're on the bus or the train from Edinburgh to, to Glasgow. You go right over these people's lives. But anyway, they have, they have miners' halls, usually in a place like this. And uh, uh, throughout the year, they'll have meetings where they kind of spread the word in the community and people bring their instruments and show up. And in this part of Scotland, the accordion and the violin are the two main melody instruments, as in a lot of Irish music, too. And I really love playing with, a course, a really good accordion player. really inspires me to play. I love that. Yeah. I like that groaning. I love that sound, you know. Uh, but in any case, so uh, my friend said, uh, if you have a I well, I was staying with, knew I had a fiddle because what I would do, when, there's this, a violin shop in Glasgow, really cool, and so I'd go there. And buy a cheap violin. I'd say just the last one on the on the on the list. You know what do you got? And cheapest bow you got? Then I'd play for a month or so with it and have fun and bring it home and sell it to somebody. You know, hey, it's from Scotland. Uh, but anyhow, so I had my my violin with me and I could I could make a sound out of it. And uh, my my friend said, well, you know, you've got to sign up. You've got to play some tunes. And So what you can do is like. You know, there's a guy comes around, you know, like you might be used to at a Hootin' Annie. You know, he's got a clipboard and signs you up. You're number four, you know, and so on and so on. So, but but they were kind of wary of me because I was a complete stranger. And uh, no matter how you try, even if you kind of look like most of the people in these towns, as I do, uh, you're not going to, they're not, they're going to know you're a stranger. So he says, I see you've got your fiddle box. Well, yes, sir, I have. Can you do anything with that? You know, say, well, I said, well, I could try. And he says, well, let me hear a little bit of something. Yeah. And you have to play for the guy before he trusts you enough to put you on stage at the, the fiddle and box play. So I thought a it. while I play? And at that time, I one of my, still one of my favorite tunes is an old Scottish tune uh, called Leather Bridges. And another one that I really like that's a Scottish tune is called uh, Angus Campbell. Favorite tunes of mine. So I played him a little sketch of those and said, he will do. You're, ne- you're next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I said, <laughs> By the way, where are you from? And I said, Well, I'm from, let's just say I'm from St. Louis, because you learn in Scotland. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Everybody knows. You just is. say you're from kind of near St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. That, that worked fine. Yeah. So, kind of near, so <laughs> guess what? He introduces me. I was really happy to have tonight a really fine fiddler come all the way over from Canada to play for me. <laughs> and I played, and I survived, and had a great time and toasted everybody with the little glasses of actual whiskey. And it was a wonderful evening, the funny little cookie things they make. Uh, oh, yeah. And what that told me, here's the point of this whole anecdote, is that when they listened to me, they didn't hear an American fiddler. Now, like I demonstrated before, they didn't hear in those tunes, they heard nothing of they didn't hear that they heard which sounds like Scottish fiddling. So, that told me something interesting because Scotland, you know, Canada, they're like brothers. They They love Canada. And as a rule, Scottish people don't like Americans. I don't know if you knew that or not. As opposed to Ireland, where we're welcome. I knew that. Yeah. The Scots are very reluctant to tell you anything yeah. except maybe. It could be 2 o'clock, but maybe it isn't. Yeah.
3: You're all right for so <laughs> So, uh, okay.
2: Wait! No, no, no.
1: <laughs> play it yes, okay. yeah somebody Nobody play. Angus. Uh, <laughs> play Angus Campbell. Play Angus, yeah. play Angus Campbell? Uh, I can try. It. Go for it. Oh, no. It's your no, turn. no, I'd love the tune. And, and I, can, I, can, I can I play it, but I don't know if I play it the same Well, you. No, it's your turn. I'll play it if I have time. No, I can't. I don't think I can handle it on my own, Howard. We'll play it. <laughs> uh, play it. Uh, play it too. Play You want to do it Scotland? A pipe gym, maybe? I mean, you about Scotland. My heritage is from the Highlands, too, so. Probably good to play something you played before, Michael. Yeah, right. Well, I played Angus Campbell, you know, and uh, I will say. but I'm just to eating. Oh, okay. Well, talked about Angus Campbell there's several of those Scottish tunes that Missouri fiddlers play and I didn't know where they were coming from then I found out there was a radio program up in Canada where they were broadcasting all these Canadian fiddlers the music had come from Scotland and so they were broadcasting down into North Missouri and a lot of these fiddlers picked these tunes up and uh, so Angus Campbell Speed the Plow several others. well, I'd love to play there with you sometimes. Well, we're just going to do it if we have enough time. Okay, all right. But first, Well, it let's, goes let's, our let's play a pipe tune here that I really like. One called, what's it called? I don't know. What's in your head? The variant Rock of Age.
2: I want to play a tune just because the title's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, play a little sketch of Angus Campbell. Okay. Composed, again, by the great James Scott Skinner. Yeah. Now, don't take it too fast. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that Bob old. Um, this, you know, title is the actual title, Angus Campbell, no, but yeah. you will also hear alternate titles among our peers. For example, Cleo Pershinger, I like to call it, Agnes Campbell, no problem. The, the best one, though, is uh, Angus Cattle. <laughs> which is uh, kind of nice, too, you know, Angus Cattle. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, makes way really sense.
1: Step dance. Team. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, and big John McNeil. He's broken yeah. a lot of hearts
2: doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing pivot.
1: Okay, Mike, what do you got? We got time for uh, 25 or 30 more. Any questions? Any more yeah, questions? comments? I love your toe tapping, your foot tapping. Yeah, I, I, I know. Shoes, the bad thing is when you got a microphone in there. Yeah. Like, the, the the
2: drummer at, you know? And I like that. I like it. Yeah. Mac Mahan. Speaking of Mac Mahan. Yeah. Did one of my household gods. Uh, regular guy, you know, worked for a tire company, but he went to a fiddle contest, he put his cowboy boots on. And when he'd play on stage at a contest, he go... You know, stomp really loud. Yeah, that's the only time he ever wore cowboy boots. You know, just until. <laughs> but he wanted people to know that he had the time. If you're going to play with him, this is going to be the tempo. You know, this oh, play, I see. Yeah, yeah. That right. yeah. out a lot of backups. You know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's play one together. How about okay. something like uh, Marmaduke? Or we we talked a little bit about. Uh, Missouri, I
2: don't
1: know if it's called Missouri Spotted Pony, Well, we could do the Spotted Pony uh, explicasio. Well, I've heard your Marmodukes, and I know that the the B part is a lot more notey than I played, and I got it off of Bob Holt, so. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. You want to take a... Why don't you
2: kick her off? Okay, OB? Yeah. Okay, one request. my cowboy boots on but I feel like I played Angus Campbell a lot faster than I intended to I started out just fine and then
1: did I, did I speed it up Bob Holt comes in here yeah god dang man and tunes do have a natural uh Howard talks about speeding it up there's a lot of criticism about speeding up in fiddle music but there's also a good side of that and it has to do with contra dances and what we do as a rule of thumb is when the caller is teaching the dance we will play at a, a slower speed you know until the dancers get it when the caller shuts up then we'll start building it so there there are times when you speed up on purpose well, no, but it can be a bad habit uh-huh. i i agree well, with that but.
2: There are plenty of really fast fiddlers in North Missouri, too. I'm just saying that the predominant pattern is a little... A little oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, you know, yeah. I think yeah. I can say that. Marmaduke, everybody knows the story behind Marmaduke's Hornpipe, I guess. You know, the Battle of Boonville, June 1864. The rebels are out there, you know, frying bacon, having a pretty good time. And then here comes three steamboats full of St. Louis Germans with cannons. And rifles that repeat—you don't have to pull the stick out to put it back in to shoot again—and and very wisely, I'll say, my guys, my great great grandfather was part of that. Uh, decided, well, you know, we could kind of hang around here and shoot off a few squirrel shots, see what happens. So, you know, we could go down to Tipton and see what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so they did, you know. The Boonville races, right? They call it the Boonville races, <laughs> and uh, newspaper accounts at the time, you know, describe you know, the Marmaduke. Mar- <laughs> You know, became governor right after the war, Meredith Miles, Armaduke, uh and uh, before the war he, was, he actually went to West Point, you know, from Saline County, and uh, a distinguished military career, but all, almost destroyed by his utter lack of knowing what to do with three steamboats full of St. Louis Germans, new uniforms and plenty to eat in a whole nine yards, you know? and uh, he, they say he took off so fast that he danced a hornpipe, all the way to Tipton. <laughs> Ergo, the tune was named after him, Marmaduke's hornpipe. Wow. And for all I know, it's an older tune, tooled up for the occasion. Probably is. I don't. I a dear middle... Oh dear. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I just asked.
3: Just playing a tune.
2: Huh? Forget it. us hear the, right. the tune, and, and every time we'll go there, we'll <laughs> <have a call. laughs> Think about it while we're playing. <laughs> A play that's a favorite tune we might be able to play it
1: walk along john walk along john play that uh huh let's play that All right. g uh-huh. okay goes d minor yeah Pardon. i believe it does yeah. <laughs>
2: unless you know you can play the mic as long as be in there yeah yeah walk along john yeah it's an old built tune Kind of like, uh... What You could you play something. just a
3: little
2: bit of a waltz? Oh, we'd love to. Well, you could. I
3: would
2: like. wait for somebody to ask for a waltz. <laughs> what waltz do you like? You like the cowboy
3: waltz?
2: I don't know oh, any that. names of waltzes. I'd like waltzes. to hear that. let cowboy waltz. This yeah. is considered a Missouri tune, going back to the covered wagon days. Key of D. out there that aren't anything like this one, but this is a Missouri one.
0: they pack up and uh, prepare for dancers. There was a dance after this at the Big Muddy Folk Festival in Boonville. I'll just mention that this was a special Farm and Fiddle podcast. I'm Margot McMillan and this podcast was entered onto our podcast page in honor of World Fiddle Day. This program, a little bit of it, was played on Farm and Fiddle on May 18, 2022, on KOPN 89.5 FM in Columbia, and on the web at kopn.org. World Fiddle Day is celebrated the Saturday closest to May 19th, and it was apparently started in County Kerry, Ireland, and has swept the world. The workshop that you heard was held on May 14th, 2022. It was part of the Big Muddy Folk Festival in Boonville, Missouri. And the folks that you heard presenting were Howard Marshall, a fiddler and author of three books on Missouri fiddle traditions, and Mike Fraser, retired from the Missouri Department of Conservation and performing fiddle from his home in the Missouri Ozarks.